welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. And joining me <laughs> this evening, <laughs> I've got a creative, um, multifaceted creative. Um, he's a clothing designer, uh, photographer, brand ambassador, um, style director. You can call him a lot of things, um, but uh, he... Uh, he owns the uh, clothing brand Instant Karma Apparel, and I uh, look forward to uh, really getting to know him and his passions, artistry, and why he does what he does. Mr. Calumet, King, King Calumet, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome, my friend. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing really good. I'm chilling today. Taking a little bit of a chill day, doing some laundry, hanging out with the family. Well, that is uh, most necessary in uh, this uh, dumpster fire of a year, wouldn't you agree? That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great way of putting it. Oh, yeah. I've called this year so I've talked so much shit to this year, dude. I've called this year... A dumpster fire, a hellscape, mind fuck, a shit show. Um, just I've just been like, oh man, this year is just the world is on fire. Um, Literally. so many, so many synonyms um, to what's going to this, what this year has been. Yeah, all of that works perfectly because, especially the mind fuck one, because man, it's like every month is just something else, like. You think like, you know, in, in like the movies when they say, um, I don't know what else could happen. It's like somebody is just screaming that from the highest mountain. They're like, what else can happen? And then boom, the next month, yeah. murder hornets. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it's literally, it feels like a Black Mirror episode. Remember, remember uh, Tiger King? Remember when that yeah. <laughs> took over the internet for like a whole week? Carol Baskin. What got killed me were the TikToks. Yeah, killed her, husband, whacked him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, the, yeah, there was Joe Exotic, and uh, there was um, Animal Crossing made a splash comeback this year randomly as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man, but I will say that um, amidst all the chaos, you know, I have found a, a greater sense of community than ever through although a lot of us you know because of quarantine and social distancing like we can't just like all hang out like we normally do but we are all doing our best to be there for each other and i have found a lot of community in that so, so cal what we talk about on mr nice guy we talk love and fear passion and creativity and uh, so i don't i can't recall exactly when we met but it, it's been like I think we met like maybe two years ago. I'm not quite sure, but we have a lot of mutual friends, including our uh, wonderful ray of sunshine friend, Lilo Allen, uh, owner and our owner of Bronzeville Collective, Pirates and Charms, shout out. Um, and I like, I think because like you were friends with her, like I would start seeing you and like I met you in person and uh this past summer, I finally picked up some instant karma apparel, um, which yes, which I need some pictures of you in that so I can post it. I will send those your way, my friend. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you are, you do a lot of different cool things in the creative scene. And uh, I, I love especially to talk to, you know, people that um, don't, you know, stick to just one medium. Um, so Cal, um, we can start with, uh, so do you, um, are you originally from Milwaukee? I am. I was born here and partially raised here. So I would, uh, I went to school here, but during like breaks, I would be basically like sent down south because my family owned different parts of like different land. So I would go to Atlanta sometimes, I would go to Mississippi sometimes. I was always like taking road trips when there was a break from school. So I always say I was partially raised in the South and partially raised here. here. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, I actually wanted to be a NASCAR racer or a street racer. Oh, hell yeah. I was, I was obsessed with Fast and the Furious and I was obsessed with like just cars. I still am. I'm still obsessed with cars. I love cars. I love going fast. Like, it's, it's just a rush. <laughs> yeah, man, Talladega Nights. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you're not first, you're last. That's right. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, he's like, how fast is he going? 26 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I loved that. Those were, like, the first games I was allowed to play were uh, racing games. Um, my favorite racing game as a kid was Midnight Club 2. Oh, legendary. Legendary. Loved Midnight Club. Um, they, they need to bring that back. They need to bring Midnight Club back. Yeah, they really do. It's been like like over a decade since the last Midnight Club. And uh, I would, man, I would play. I, would, I don't even game anymore like that, but um, I would game again just for that but so you you really liked you liked racing that was like your thing when you were a kid yeah for sure like so I had a neighbor um who lived I mean if you're facing my house to the right of me and he was kind of like a a DIYer like he was always just tinkering with stuff and uh he bought an army jeep like a skeleton and he basically was like buying parts for the skeleton and building this army Jeep like piece by piece. And like, I was one of the only kids in the neighborhood that he would like allow around it. <laughs> so I would just like peer over the hood, just like looking at it and like trying to figure out what he was doing and what pieces went together and why. And he would just let me do it. And then, you know, I loved it ever since. I was like, oh, this is crazy. Like, this is a huge puzzle. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, like things like, puzzle. <laughs> it's a whole science project, essentially. Yeah, yeah, like totally, man. I, I I feel that. Yeah, I loved. I've always loved cars too. Um, I used to like my favorite thing to like do, like you know those like family fun centers that have like all of, like the, the the arcade games and like the mini golf and shit. I loved the go karts, man. Go-karts are the best part. Okay, so in Atlanta, so in my aunt's house, shout out to my auntie. <laughs> she uh she owns, I think like nine acres of land or something like that. But we had two go-karts, 
We had a four-wheeler, we had an ATV, and dirt bikes. So, like, yeah. we were out here. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. And, like, not little go-karts either. Like, hefty go Like, those go-karts were street-worthy. They were fast. Holy fuck, bro. I would have... It's like, if you had that shit when you were, like, 12, you would never be bored. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, we weren't. <laughs> we were always on the go. And that was before they built it up. So, like, now around her property is a bunch of, like, cul-de-sacs and, like, business development stuff. But when I was younger, it was empty. Like, it was just forest and land there. So, like, we would rip and run all through that. You know, um, my cousin, the type of guy that he was, he would always be trying to figure out how to build things as well I guess I've just always been around builders so like he would build like ramps out of dirt and wood and like we would just run it like we yeah. would do our chores and then immediately after we were like let's go <laughs> awesome that's super and that's so fun um yeah my uh my buddy <clears throat> had a dirt bike um and I used to go to his house like every week in like sixth grade, seventh grade. And we used to like make obstacle courses in his backyard and ride the dirt bike. And we were like obsessed with jackass too. So we just thought it was, we just loved doing dumb shit like that. But um, yeah, man, that's, that's the fun side of being a kid, man. I miss it. <laughs> For real though. Like growing up was such a scam. <laughs> it really was man yeah gross. biggest finesse <laughs> of our life yeah. yeah yeah man like we were we were just robbed of our childlike wonder but that's what's important about being a creative is retaining it as much yeah. as you can so that being Absolutely. said that being said man uh so what really came first like what was your first creative endeavor because you do so many a lot of different things. Oh, that's hard to say. Cause like, so I've had conversations with my mom about, you know, me as a kid and like trying to trace back that exact thing. Like what was the first thing I did? And according to her, it was a camera. She like put a camera in my hands at like the age of like three or something. And I was just going around clicking pictures, but like, everything that I've done, like everything I do now, I did as a kid and didn't exactly know that I would be using it as an adult to make a living. So yeah, it's, it's always been there. But I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say camera because that's what she says. Sure. You have like one of those like disposable cameras? Yep, she used to, and I, I remember her buying them in like packs. Like I would, I would run through them because they were just like, you know, they were cheap and easy to develop. Especially yeah. the waterproof ones. Oh, I used to love those joints when I was younger. Oh, yeah. Dude. The waterproof cam. I remember, like, the commercials for those on, like, Nickelodeon. I remember, like, do you remember Kid Cuisine? I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember, like, there was an ad for, like, Kid Cuisine, like, waterproof cameras for some, like, contest or some shit. But yeah, like having the disposable. 
Yeah. A throwback, <laughs> the, yo. The, pen- the penguin. <laughs> yeah, man. I love that shit, man. Um, yeah, but yeah, when you had the disposable camera, like, you know, I, I honestly, I, I miss that, you know, like, because, you know, I was like, my family, like, had all the photo albums, you know, when I was a kid. So it, it was always just so fun to, like, you know, capture things as a kid. And it's cool to see how it, like, you know, transpires into something like, wow, like, no, you can actually, like, do something with this medium. So as you got older, like, were you kind of just taking photography, like, more seriously? Um, well, I kind of it kind of came in like stages. So I had a photography class or it wasn't really a class. It was kind of like a week, like a photography week of art class. And um, I really liked it. Like that's when I got re- reintroduced to it more so like as a teen. And um, yeah, like the way that the pictures came out and like, staging the other students as the models and trying to get the shots right um I don't know that that stuck with me after that so like right around high school right around like uh junior year and I'm like oh okay yeah I need this back in my life and then I bought a camera freshman year of college and I was like pulling people I remember like trying to ask people like yeah can can I shoot you real fast and they just didn't really know why, like, okay, or they're being shy. So yeah. I had to learn that um, other skill of directing and getting people to like not be shy on camera because you can see that through the lens, you can see that in the pictures. Yeah. So yeah, helping people gain confidence was like a whole nother part that step by step into that process. Yeah, definitely. Like. And it's, it's kind of like, um, it's a win-win where you're helping the model gain confidence, but you're also gaining confidence too as a photographer and like, you know, just how you can experiment with things. Um, so um, yeah, today, like how, what are, like, what does photography look like to you? Do you still shoot often? Like where, uh, where are you with it now? So right now, um, well, first of all, I need to buy myself a new camera. That's my next step. But most of my time is spent actually directing and not taking the pictures myself. So most of the time I'm spent um, building the photo shoot, styling it, you know, location scouting, and then directing the models or directing myself in front of the camera. Um, so yeah, that's that's as far as my photography is going until I get this new camera because then I'm gonna be back at it I can't stay away for too long (laughs) yeah well what are you currently shooting with and how do you hope to upgrade I have a rebel t3i that's a canon um I want to switch over to Nikon I know that's like a a shot a lot of people are like oh what you're gonna switch over it's like switching from android to uh to iphone (laughs) yeah honestly Sure. I have a Nikon. That's what I was shooting the show on um, when it was still in person. So I don't I know very little about cameras, but, you know, you you, you must know what you're doing there. 
you know, uh, switching to old Nikon. So I have a, a friend of mine, a buddy of mine. His name is Madi Gransberry. Oh, uh, shout out Madi, of course. Freakish yeah, nerd. Uh, freakish nerd, yeah. So his camera, I, I grew to love um, Nikon because I would use his camera when we would do shoots together. So when I'd be directing, he would be shooting. Sometimes I would hop in, um, you know, and get a couple pictures that I was looking for or some, uh, like sometimes I would have to climb on something and get an overview shot. And I'm like, man, this is, this is still so much better. Like what? Like it just, I, it grew on me. <laughs> yeah. I had that exposure. Totally. Yeah. That's dope. Um, yeah, it's another very, it's comparable to like another controversial um, uh, shift in like, it's like when you had, when you were like, used to, when you gave, when you like game on uh, like PlayStation and you moved to the Xbox, you know, like <laughs> it's another controversial change, you know, but yeah, like it all depends on like what your needs are and uh, what you connect with. Um, dope. So tell me about what got you interested in designing clothes. So, okay, what got me into designing clothes? So when I was younger, we my family was kind of like upper middle class and I was kind of spoiled. I had like I was I was always fly. Like my parents and my sisters kept me pretty fly um early on. And then mm -hmm. we fell on some hard times. Everybody did during the recession and all of that. Um, and it kind of like, I would flip through magazines and I would watch, you know, like MTV, VH1, BET, and just see all the different types of fashion that there was. And I just continuously dug deeper into it. Um, at the same time, I was trying to make money for myself and not trying to rely on my parents for stuff. So I actually started out drawing tattoos. Um, some of the people would get them. Like I got a lot of body art on, on people from like 2010, 2009. Um, but some people would just like, can you put it on a shirt for me instead? Because I can't get this tattoo like I thought I could, but I can't. So I started, you know, drawing on white tees, like super long gown style white tees and Sharpies. And uh, it would bleed as soon as you wash it. And I'm a person of quality. I hate anything. I don't I don't like anything that isn't quality. Like it has to be, especially if it has my name on it. So I uh, taught myself to airbrush, to use an airbrush machine. So I would airbrush those designs on the shirts. And it made a lot, it made a, a lot of money for myself in high school. Like doing those, like um, I even did some knockoff, like dipped shirts i don't know if you remember that everybody had oh, the yeah. sparkly shirts with the names on them yeah, yeah i definitely dabbled in a few of those in my time um but then when i went to college i couldn't use the airbrush machine in the dorms because of fumes and like it was a confined space so um eventually instant karma became more of what it is today because I learned more about design. Like as I embedded myself into design and learning exactly what does what and what colors make this type of impression and 
um, what fabrics feel the best on the skin, it kind of, you know, grouped together into what Instant Karma is. Totally. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to hear, like, kind of what your sources were with, like, learning all of that information. Like, what, how, like, what was your way of doing it? Yo. Okay. First of all, all the classic hip-hop magazines, like The Source, Double XL, Vibe, right. um, GQ magazine. Uh, when I first saw a fader for the first time, yeah. blew my mind. Uh, ID magazine, another great source. Uh, Vogue always puts out like year room review books. So they'll like, it'll be really thick. Like if you ever go to a library and ask somebody for it, they're really thick catalogs, like thick. And they just have like everything about the designer, everything about the photographers, the creative directors that went into the shoot. And then they actually have the shoots in it um, for Vogue. That was, those are probably my top few. Um, as I got older, though, I started to try to source um, like fashion films about the designers themselves. And a lot of them were in different languages that, and they didn't have subtitles. So I was just kind of just looking at it and seeing what they were doing and observing most of the time. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so where did the name Instant Karma Apparel come from? So, uh, back in high school, um, people kept asking me, like, what are you going to call this? Like, you're doing all these designs on these shirts, but, like, what, what, is, what is the, like, what's the name of it? Are you going to name it your name? Are you going to name it after yourself? And I've always been a music head as well. I love music. Everything I do resolves around music. Like, uh, music is life, like it's everything to me. So I'm a I'm a huge Beatles fan. Oh dope. So Instant Karma came from a John Lennon song called Instant Karma. Um it's a wonderful song. It's really dark. But, yeah. But everything John Lennon did was dark. So <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. For sure. Um, that's dope. And then um I just kept writing it over and over again in my notebooks and I eventually came up with a logo for it, you know, just trying to figure out like what instant meant because people already knows what karma means. And like when people think of instant, they think of things that happen instantly. Like it's in, it's, it's what it sounds like, but kids never hear things the same way that adults hear it. Like kids are always thinking from a different point of view. Uh, and this is around the same time that my nieces were being born. So I was always, you know, observing them and seeing what they were doing and, you know, their development stages. And like instant to them always came with a countdown, like one, two, three, go, or three, two, one, go. So that's how I developed the logo for Instant Karma. Like if you look at my shirt right here, it's, three points of a triangle, two stripes, and one circle around. Mm. That's, that's what it means. Oh, damn. That's dope. That's just some uh, compelling imagery, for sure. <laughs> um, and you're, you're right. I, I, I like what you just said about how, like, <clears throat> children observe uh, things and react to things in, at a different speed and 
different perception than adults do for sure like you think of like you know a glass of like spilled milk you know like the kid is gonna like cry because oh i don't get milk anymore but the adult's gonna be like oh fuck i gotta clean this up now (laughs) 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 and then after i clean it up i can pour myself another glass of milk and have that instead of the one I spilled whereas like for a kid it's like this end-all be-all like I'm never gonna have milk again (laughs) you know so um yeah it's it's interesting to see how that that perception evolves Um, unless you're Terry Crew and then you're counting how much money you wasted on that spilled milk that too yeah yeah. (laughs) yeah you're like damn like that that really fucks my whole budget up Right. <laughs> this 35 yeah. cents worth of right. milk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, literally. Um, yeah. So in terms of like instant karma apparel now, um, so how long has it been like an official thing? And uh, yeah, tell me about like, you know, how it's grown since you started it. Okay. So instant karma was invented technically in 2009 but we always say 2010 because that was the school year that I was in um but it became an official clothing brand in 2014 um it's grown a lot it was a really really slow like kickoff um I saved up all the money to make everything official and get all the official documents together and making sure everything was legal. Then I bought the first set of shirts. Um, actually, all 50 shirts, no, 40, 45 of the first 50 shirts sold in Colorado. Like the other couple shirts sold here. And I was kind of confused because, like, well, I'll say it like this. My team that I had around me at the time was expecting it to be like a huge launch right away. Like, oh my God, Milwaukee is really gonna like love us immediately and people are gonna buy these shirts and it's gonna be an explosion and we're gonna be rich by the end of the year. And when that didn't happen, they were kind of like heartbroken. They were just like, oh yeah. Yeah, this is gonna take some actual work. Like people aren't just going to automatically like support you right away so that was the genesis and then now it's a completely different story like milwaukee has grown to love us um i i love the support that's coming from the hometown because for some people that doesn't happen so I enjoy the support 100%. I love everybody. It, it makes my day every time somebody buys something, especially from here. Um, Colorado still messes with us heavy, though. And, like, man, we've so we've sold a lot of clothes on the East Coast and West Coast, like New York, um, California, of course. Phoenix, the Phoenix area. I'm just enjoying, I don't know, I don't even know how to like 
put it into words. Like I'm just enjoying the growth as I'm trying to enjoy it as it comes though. I'm trying not to burn myself out. I'm trying to enjoy each piece as it flows towards me. Um, one of the biggest things though is people taking the brand out of the country. Like, I don't know why I didn't think that would happen when I was younger, but when it happened, it blew me. Like, what? We're in China, we're in Japan, Australia. Like, it's been seen in Africa, like, all over the place. Like, we probably touched the, a lot of the major places in the world and didn't even know it until last year. Like, what? Once you go global, there's no going back from it. Right. And I'm like, and I can see um, the analytics from the back end of my website. So, like, sometimes it'll say this peaked from this country. So, I'll see places in Germany come through. Like, I'll see places in, man, uh, Ireland, Iceland. Like, what? This is crazy. Yeah, man. They're wearing that shit like, you know, in the in the glaciers where the geysers are erupting and shit. And they've got some instant karma. You know, like that is the timelessness of creativity is like, you know, whether you make music or like make films or you make clothes, like when someone is consuming that like in a different time zone than you are um speak a different language than you something like that like that i i i can imagine there's no greater like affirming feeling of like man like i really like lived into my existence by starting this 100 percent 100 percent it um so I, I try my hardest to never become um, that person that's surrounded by yes men and like, you know, living beyond themselves. I always try to stay grounded and humble in what I'm doing. And um, I'm not gonna lie, when that happened, I was on such a high and then I instantly grounded myself quickly. I was like, oh, no, nah, I gotta, make sure that everybody in the world loves it. <laughs> like, it was it was so different when it was like, okay, you know, I'm impressing Milwaukee. I'm impressing the people in Milwaukee. Cool. But it was like, oh, crap. Now I got to think about what Germany's going to think about this. Yeah. What? But yeah. I like the pressure, though, at the same time. I love the pressure. <laughs> yeah, and you're absolutely entitled to feeling like, man, like, this is so dope. Like, I'm really, like, getting somewhere with this. Like, this is exactly what I wanted. But I love what you said, where you're like, I got to stay grounded, though. I got to keep my feet on the ground here and uh, not bask too much into the moment and think about, like, what the next step is. Is like, you know, how can I continue reaching people and reaching how I connect to others through what I'm doing? And, um, and that's always important. And so important to um to never lose sight of as you know you uh gain traction sure oh absolutely i feel like um my family is a huge part of that too because 
and my close friends too. I feel like when celebrities um, reach a certain height, I'm not a celebrity, by the way. I don't consider myself a celebrity. But when celebrities reach a certain height, they kind of lose, you see them like lose connections with their closest friends. And um, that's when they kind of like involve themselves with people who are just there for the clout and the moment. Mm-hmm. And um, my friends will definitely help me stay humble because <laughs> I, I let them rip my work apart before anybody sees it. So it goes through a process. It is, it's not just like first thought, let's put this shirt out. It, it goes through a rigorous like critique. And uh, I want all of them to continue to do that for forever because um, I don't just do this by myself. Like I'm the face of it, I'm the founder of it, sure. But there's a lot of other people working in the background that um, whether they work for, with, or are just there, that help a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the thing I, I, I always try to cling on to is like, you know, we don't do it for the fame. It's about the impact. And, uh, you know, I, I'm honestly pretty scared of fame. Like, it's kind of scary to like when, because once you become like in the public eye, like every part of your life is just gets scrutinized and, you know, we don't want that for ourselves. Like, I think we assign value to that based on like the monetary and like fiscal gain and like, you know, the, the, the recognition on an influencer level, but Really, like, does that fulfill us and what, you know, and why we began doing this in the first place? No, it shouldn't be, at least. Like, it should just be about, like, my messages and my art and my expressions resonating with people because it makes them, because they like it and, you know, they connect with how I feel. So, like... For me, I guess one of my driving forces is I like seeing, let me, let me frame this right. So I'll, I'll frame it like this. You know how it is when you put on something dope and you go out into the world and other people see you wearing this day. You like, you have a different step about yourself. Like you, when you have on a, a fresh new outfit or brand new pair of shoes or even if you got your hair done or your hair cut nails done whatever when you that amount of confidence and that amount of like I'm a new me feeling that comes from that is like the best feeling in the world for a lot of people I know it is for me mm-hmm. and um one of the things that I do with instant karma is I want to create something and I, to this point, I feel like I have created something that gives you that feeling every time you put it on. Because I've heard feedback from people that wear it, excuse me, that wear the brand um, continuously, that are like brand loyalists. And they're like, man, every time I put this shirt on, or every time I put these joggers on, someone's asking me about it. And I don't know, it just makes my day. It's like, yo, this is instant karma right here. Like. <laughs> It's like a, it's like a, um, 
like a family at this point. We're like a fraternity. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's an incredible feeling, man. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about um, kind of some of the like the imagery and messages you like to incorporate into your designs. You know, like kind of what what inspires you to like, you know, to de determine like what goes on your clothing and everything. So with, when it comes to design in general, I usually sit and think really, really hard about what I'm doing, especially when I'm building a brand for someone else, especially when I'm doing helping somebody build their business up. For instant karma is a different story. So like every design that is made from instant karma, I've seen like premonition style, like I'll be driving and I see it, like it just comes into my head, like it just pops into my head. And I will literally pull, I will get off the highway if I'm on the highway, pull over and I have notebooks everywhere. I have notebooks in my book bag, in my car, by my bedside. I will pull it out and I will sketch it. And like, I don't know what it is, it's really weird. And people around me, they know exactly what's going on at this point. But when it first started happening, I know they were kind of looking at me crazy, like, why the, we got to get somewhere. Why are you pulling over? But literally everything about that design just comes into my head, like, out of nowhere. And the description and what it means and why is it, uh, the colorways, the possibilities, when it should come out, it's just like a flood of information that comes into my head. And then I do it. Um, as far as when things come out, the people who help me with Instant Karma, we do like a voting process. So we try to drop clothes once or twice a year, sometimes three times a year. And we sit and we go through every design that I've made or some, some of the people have made some designs for Instant Karma as well. Um, like my VP, Chad, um, Madi has made a design for Instant Karma that hasn't come out yet. But we sit through, we sift through all these designs and we try to figure out like what's best for the climate right now. Like what's going on as far as style wise? Is this too far ahead? Is this a couple steps behind? Do we need to wait for it to come back? Um, like what what is going on in the world right now as far as like colors and feel? Um, should it be a shirt? Should it be a long sleeve hoodie, joggers, you know, tank top? What like what is the what are our customers looking for? When you're a fashion designer, you have to keep up with the things that are going to happen. You kind of have to have that like sense of prediction of this is the next best thing that's going to happen, or this color or this hue is going to be the biggest thing of this year or next year, and plan accordingly. Or has this been overdone? And do we need to sit on this until? the next time it becomes a thing, like the next time it becomes trendy. Um, sometimes we hop on it, we just say, you know what, we want this design out and then the rest of the world catches up to it. Sometimes, you know, we wanna go with something classic. You know, it just depends on everybody who's involved at the time and what the voting process is. For sure, that, that would make sense. So um, so who's part of your team right now? Who do you need to shout out? 
Oh man, I feel like I'm gonna leave people out too, and I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> and people are gonna be upset. All right, so there's definitely um Lilo Allen, of course. She's a part of Instant Karma. Um, Chad Lane, he's a part of Instant Karma. Um, Cordell, Madi, uh, Jeff, Jeff Brown. I should probably be saying last names too. Um, <laughs> her name is Die. She just goes by Die D Y E. Um, she helps with a lot of our um, runway styling and fashion show stuff. Um man, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm gonna leave someone out and I'm gonna get cursed out later. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a it's an expansive team at this point, you know, and uh you know the the roles have definitely expanded over the years, it sounds like. Yes. Oh Terrence, Terrence Morris Jr. Um definitely a big help with instant karma. Also uh Sean Flo. He's a local Milwaukee um, rapper and tastemaker. Oh. Yeah, those are the those are the remaining two. I didn't forget nobody. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna get in trouble. I'm happy. <laughs> oh good, good. Um, that's good. Um, so you guys have done fashion shows um, in the past. Yes, uh, we tried to do them once or twice a year, or be involved with them at least once or twice a year. A lot of people would reach out. Sometimes the timing would be weird because they would be conflicting with other shows, but we try to uh, work with as many local runway people, stylists, and designers as possible. So, yeah, those are really fun. I love doing them. I love being a part of it. Um, it's interesting seeing people's faces as they see the brand for the first time. Yeah. Because they it. always throw our brand in between like <laughs> I don't even know if this is on purpose or not but they always throw our brand in between like suits and swimwear hmm. so like there'll be, <laughs> there'll be people in like full you know three piece suits walking by and then all of a sudden this streetwear segment comes in they're just like what? Like, what is yeah. And then <laughs> it kind of like grabs their attention again like oh, okay what is this Oh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, shifting vibes real fast. Um, yeah. Well, I guess the last thing, Cal, is uh, what are you working on with Instant Karma Apparel right now? Like, what can we expect from the brand? Well, so right now we are trying to, and we are going to, develop more of an online presence because of course COVID. So like all businesses right now are trying to figure out better ways of selling things um, in personal, which besides things coming from, you know, people looking at us from other countries, usually people will try to contact us and we've done a pretty good job of like having those conversations with people especially when people come from out of town and come to here and they hear about us and then they, they try to like um, seek us out. Like I've had like lunches with customers that came from out of town and stuff like that. Um, but we can't do that anymore mm -hmm. because of safety reasons. So just pushing harder online and trying to get our message across um, 
more vibrantly online and, you know, stay connected to our customers in different ways. Uh, we recently did a Twitch live stream for a, um, I'm trying to remember what the, um, what the uh, organization was called, but it was for charity. It was for um, kids that are, that are in the LGBTQ plus um, realm and getting them money for safety reasons. Mm-hmm. But that was a huge deal. And I hopped on it immediately as soon as they asked me about it. I was like, oh yeah, definitely, like whatever you need. Um, but that taught me a lot, like that switch service and stream taught me a lot about connecting to people. And um, I think we're gonna do like more lives and stuff like that, just to connect with our customers more. Cause we love that. Like we love talking to the customers. We love hearing their feedback. We love hearing like what they did with the clothes or where they went, and the journey and how they, you know, their, their feedback they got from people walking down the street, like their confidence and all of that. But yeah, just building that interpersonal, personal connection online. Oh yeah, man. That's, that's great. And uh, that goes a long way for sure. You know, like, yeah, like reflecting on like, you know, where, where the customers had in mind, like when they were like going out, like repping the brand, like where they wanted to show it out to, like how, how the brand made them feel more confident or felt more like um just like in tune with themselves like because you know it it you can speak volumes and how clothes do that for you like make you and your how your appearance um how it influences like just how you feel comfortable and present and um in the right place so yeah i mean those sound like great goals dude and uh I look forward to uh, seeing how it continues to build from here. Um, We're looking forward to it. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it too. (laughs) Yeah, hell yeah. I'm super. I'm super excited to see the next steps. And like like I was saying before, um, like one of my biggest things is not overworking and enjoying the moments as they come, even when there's you know, everybody has bad moments. So like, even when there's bad moments or difficult, stressful moments, just enjoying the the journey of getting out of that and, you know, living in it and breathing in it. So yeah, I'm super excited. Good. Oh yeah, man. Um, So those are closing out here, Cal. Um, Tell me what keeps you up at night. Oh, uh, the customers keep me up at night. My customers keep me up at night. Um, the state of the world keeps me up at night. Um, man, these these debates keep me up at night for sure. Yeah, I just I try to avoid them, man. They're <laughs> so cringy. Mike Mike Pence's fly keeps me up at night often. <laughs> he just comes comes and visits me, and I'm like, yo, like go back to his head, bro. Like I don't need you here. <laughs> it's the shit you see in your sleep paralysis. Yeah. What uh what puts you to sleep? Music. There you go. So music, candles, 
I love candles. I love good things that smell good. Yeah. I'm all about things that smell good from cologne to candles and incense and sage, Palo Santo, all of that. Um, I love it all. But yeah, music for sure. Gotta love the, uh, the incense you can get at a uh, Bronzeville Collective, right? Right, plug, <laughs> message. <laughs> Right. What have you been listening to lately? Like, what's what have you been vibing to? Um. So actually, I. So I think you bought the shirt that says Instant Karma Radio on it. Oh sure, yeah. So Instant Karma Radio is a um. A set of live playlists that I curate. And it started in college when I would DJ the classroom when we were creating stuff. So now it's each playlist are for different things. So if you go to my Apple Music, search King Calumet, it should show up um, as an Instant Karma Radio playlist as a curator or SoundCloud Instant Karma Radio. So I listen to those often. Um, I have a few playlists on there that are like smooth vibes. Mm -hmm. I have a few on there that'll keep you hype. I have a few on there that'll um, good for like riding and driving music yeah so yeah my um I think the one I fell asleep to last night was it's called damn your beds comfortable that's I love that playlist <laughs> man that uh that sounds sensual uh it was <laughs> <laughs> it was but it, it was a perfect you know vibe to put me out <laughs> definitely well, thank you, King Calumet, for being on the show. Um, really glad we finally got to do this, of course. Um, I respect your work ethic, your vision, and, of course, your brand. And uh, for everyone watching, you can check out Instant Karma Apparel on social media and uh, see, what, uh, see what catches your eye. Um, thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. As always, we'll see you next time. Thank you.